Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Michael McGlaris, superintendent of the Connecticut Foundation Solutions Indemnity Company, the entity set up by the state of Connecticut to assist homeowners, mainly in eastern Connecticut, with crumbling foundations. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Nice to be with you again. Now, your organization earlier this month reached an important milestone when it comes to getting people back into their homes. We certainly did. We have 100 families as of a week ago uh, that we've restored their homes for, and they are back in those homes, and there are certificates of occupancy or completion issued by town building officials, which is a real uh, landmark for us. We're just delighted. Give us an idea of some of the work that had to be done to make that happen. Well, uh, for the most part, homes had to be lifted up off foundations, and if you've ever seen that, Uh, It's a sight to see. And then, of course, the foundations need to be replaced. Um, And there's all the the behind-the-scenes stuff of my claim adjusters adjusting those claims and reviewing construction contracts. A lot of work that the public doesn't necessarily see. But we have uh, an average replacement time of right around 16 weeks now. Of course, we're in winter months, and it's very cold today as we're recording this. So uh, some of that construction is, uh, is going to slow down dramatically. But in the spring, we're expecting between, uh, as I'm speaking to you today and this time next year, to add as many as another 200 homes to that list. This is costly work. Do you have an average price tag of, of how much a, a home repair costs? Right now, it's right around $147,000. That's going to go up, and it's going to vary a little bit because we now have condominiums there in the pipeline, which we didn't when you and I last chatted a while ago. And as those condominiums come into the pipeline of necessity because there are the footprint of the foundation is different and larger, the average will affect the average price. But the very good news is we think we've actually done a lot of work to bring the average cost of replacement down. The other piece of news that came out recently was – CIF-6 announcement that it has started to accept new applications. Exactly. Those are um, new applications which began on January uh, 13, uh, which is just a few days ago. And in fact, as of this morning, we have 141 brand new spanking new claimants in our pipeline. These are going to be known as pending claimants. We are not going to be uh, posting financial reserves for them until such time as we're sure or more sure than we are now about our flow of funds from the state and from the healthy home surcharge. But the important point here about this this new um, event, this new initiative, is by opening our doors, we now have 141 more really important pieces of data. Which towns are affected? Um, what streets in which towns are affected? When were these homes built? What's the average square footage? 
And as you know, as we've talked before, Aaron, uh, our program uh, is built off data. The more data we have, the more successful we're going to be. Do you think there is a good handle on the scope of the problem at this point? No. I don't think anybody has a handle on the scope of the problem. And part of it is definitional. Um, We hear that there are as many as 35,000 affected homes. I'm going to put the term affected homes in quote. Uh, in quotes, 30, as many as 35,000 homes might have been had their basements poured with modus concrete. At CIVSIC, we define an affected home as a home with a visible manifestation of map cracking. So the defini- definitional issues are different with us. We think that we have, eventually will have, between now and roughly about 2029, 5 to 7,000 homes that will need remediation. There's no evidence at all that it's 35,000, but again, our definitions are different. If I can walk into your basement and put my hand through a crack in that, which I can do with many of these, in that foundation, that's an affected home for us. So we deal with the realities of what's really happening on the ground today rather than conjecture. Part of what you are trying to do also with this new crop of applications you're accepting is to set expectations because you're not really sure how much money you are going to get in the future to to help these homeowners, correct? That has been the story since day one, and I think all of your listeners know that who have been following this story. Certainly our homeowners do. Um, Governor Lamont and I have had conversations about this. Uh, I think he's a man of his word. He's looked me in the eye and told me what we're going to get from the Connecticut Bond Commission. Um, And I I trust uh, what he says, and I have no reason to do otherwise. One of the wild cards here is we're scheduled to get money from the healthy home surcharge. That's that $12 per homeowner policy surcharge that both you and I are being charged right now and and, and, uh, thousands of people across Connecticut are being charged. We will not see that money hit our balance sheet until June of 2020. The estimate is about $8.5 million, but candidly, Aaron, it could be four point five. It could be 12.5. It could be 1.9. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I'll come back on your show at some point uh, in July and we'll figure out what it was we got. The problem with this project on uh, day one and the problem continues to be being able to create a budget that's um, uh, that's valuable and worth its name by knowing how much money we're going to get in advance. We've never known that. Complicating things a bit is the fact that CIFSIC is set to go away in 2022, correct? It is. It is not scheduled to go out of business. What it is scheduled to do is to stop taking applications in 2022. In in um, June of 2022, under the current sunset date, when we're scheduled to stop operations, we'll have homes up in the air. Clearly, we're not going to leave them up there. But we will have budgeted for that construction, and so there will be a gradual decline in CIFSIC's operations probably through 24 maybe the early part of 25, we're not scheduled to take any new applications after June 30 of 2022. I've been assured by the Crumbling Foundations Caucus, which is a uh, across-the-aisle initiative of the legislature by Jeff Luxenborg, by uh, by Jeff Curry, by, uh, uh, by uh, all of the people working in that caucus, that that sunset date will get moved. And when it does, we'll be able to take advantage of additional healthy home surcharge funds after 2022, which is critical to our operation. We talked about the two main funding sources for repair work, the bonding money from the state Mm -hmm. and also the surcharge on homeowners and renters policies. Yes. We are now hearing that crumbling foundations are showing up in Massachusetts. They are. 
Does that help build the case for federal help? I hope it does. Um, we have a, a cross-border problem, as you rightly alluded to. I, I can stand in Stafford Springs, Connecticut, and I can throw a rock into Massachusetts, and I'm going to hit a house with a crumbling foundation or where the manifestations of map cracking have occurred. I also have in Massachusetts a senator who's running for president. At the end of the day, this is going to be a very visible issue. I also have in Massachusetts a company's headquarters called Liberty Mutual, and they are in the forefront of declining these claims. So, Aaron, no matter how you slice this problem, it's going to get bigger, it's going to get visible, and I hope it creates a stronger argument for federal uh, funds. When you talk to affected homeowners, what are they telling you? They're telling me, uh, and we talk to them all day long, I field dozens of calls a week uh, from homeowners, um, they are going through, candidly, intense personal pain. We are dealing with some folks in the 40 towns in the northeast area of Connecticut for whom their home is 70 to 80% of their planned retirement equity, and that has been devastated. So this is an economic catastrophe for these folks. They've uh, lost in the value of their home. Um, they have sleepless nights. We know of people who are, have uh, mental and physical problems, divorces. I could tell you the stories, but I won't, obviously. But what's critical is that we haven't been able to correctly understand yet in this crisis the human toll this is taking. And it is a human toll. And you and I both know that when, when a toll is taken on a human being, that human being's less productive. We need a productive group of citizens in the Northeast Corner. And I've got right now 1,431 claimants right now whose lives are devastated. It's a tragedy of epic proportion. I think there has been some progress in getting affected homeowners to make themselves known. But to yes. those who haven't come forward yet, why is it important to do so even though all the money currently allocated is spoken for? Because if you get in line, and I know where you live, and remember that we keep your information confidential, I never share the name of claimants. In fact, my board of directors doesn't see a claimant's name. There's only a handful of us who know who you are. If you get in line and give me your data, uh, if we get additional funds, I'm going to make sure that I get your foundation in line. We've proven what we can do in a year's time, and we're going to continue to do that. But the way we stop victimizing these victims is to get people in line and to make a strong, objective, statistical case for the, for the quantification of this catastrophe. What is very vital is to understand that social media will not cause more funding to occur. What will cause funding to occur from the feds and possibly from state government is what's the data? Which towns are affected? That'll be what gets it. You mentioned that demand is strong for the sort of remediation work that CIFSIC funds. How do you guard against some, you know, fly-by-night operations maybe coming in and promising the world to these homeowners who have already mm. been through so much and then good disappearing? Good, good question and an excellent question. We're asked that all the time. First of all, what's really important is that we have a good partner in the Capital Region Council of Governments, uh, Pauline Yoder and the team there, uh, Lyle Ray, who's the executive director, have a very thorough committee 
which includes many town building officials that vet, that review these contractors' credentials, that require them to have insurance, that require them to be located here in Connecticut with respect to their business operations, etc. We also bond these guys. We require them to post a bond to securitize their deposits. And I won't hesitate to pull a bond if they renege on a contractual arrangement. Since we started operations, we've had exactly four, four times when a homeowner has come to us and there's been a deep dissatisfaction with um, a contractor's performance or the work involved. In each one of those four cases, I became permanently involved and, and personally involved. And we rectified that. And in four cases, contractors refunded funds to SIFSIC, new contractors were chosen, and in all four cases, the project is done. We've heard rumors, and of course, there's the usual Facebook nonsense about stuff going on, but we deal in facts at SIFSIC. There have been four occasions. We have replaced $26 million worth of construction. I defy anybody to tell me in a project that size where there have been only four problems. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Michael McGlaris, superintendent of the Connecticut Foundation Solutions Indemnity Company, also known as SIFSIC. As remediation work is conducted, have contractors learned how to do it more efficiently? Uh, yes. Y- yes, and more cheaply. Because, uh, thank God for American capitalism, you have to get two bids before we'll even look at your uh, application as, as a complete possibility. Many homeowners now get three and four because they are sharpening their pencils because, as you know, we only uh, have so much allowable concrete cost. There's sometimes gaps between what we'll pay for and total construction value. We've developed a bunch of savvy consumers. They're talking to each other. They're saying, have you got a quote from so-and-so? Have you compared this number against someone else's? We've driven down the cost of concrete, and we also have a very well-educated group of contractors now. They know how to do it. And they also know how to do it efficiently because they want to be booked multiple years in advance. That's how you guarantee your payroll and guarantee profitability. And are there more contractors entering the pipeline? Not recently. We've seen three or so, I think, in the past year who've come in who've been properly vetted by Krog. And we see they're starting. I'm signing contracts, and I see their names um, we have eight contractors who are doing at least 80% of the work, and they're booked several years in advance, so I'm happy to see the three that came in. Uh, we need more contractors. With more contractors, we can spread some of this work around and, more importantly, give consumers more choice. Someone who's listening now who hasn't come forward mm. and now is saying, you sold me, I really do need to make myself known and get in line for help, where do they start? They start with the website. There's a robust uh, electronic platform, Aaron. You can go up. You can fiddle around with the application. You can test it. You can walk away from it for a day or two and come back. It'll reserve what you'll save, what you uh, what you put up there. Uh, there's a robust electronic platform. The moment that you file a claim, you get an answer back with a claim number, even though your claim hasn't been accepted yet. And you're put in touch with a claim adjuster who can walk you through the process. But it is very efficient. If you if you don't have access to a computer, uh, you can mail, you can scan, you can uh, you can fax. Uh, I've been known. This superintendent has been known to drive over to somebody's house to get an application. Uh, I always extract a, a penalty, like some cookies or something, when I do that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I've been known to do that. So there's no reason why someone shouldn't apply. We we do understand, and this is an important point. 
that there's a certain stigma attached with a crumbling foundation. We know for a fact that many people have one right now, real manifestations of this problem, and are, are very reticent to come forward. They don't want their neighbors to know. They don't want their families to know. There could be a variety of reasons. What I say to those people is, remember, we will guard your confidentiality to the utmost, but most importantly, get in line. I want to help you. This is the time to do it. What sort of information do you require from people when they file an application? It's a pretty thorough app, and we encourage people to go to the website, which is crumblingfoundations.org, O-R-G, and take a look at the application. Actually, you can, you can practice on the application ahead of time. Uh, the year the house was built, uh, who insures you, whether or not you're in litigation with your insurer, for example. Obviously, the address, right, your name, et cetera. There are, um, there's about a four-page application, and there are eight points of evidence that you have to submit uh, along with that. We've timed it, and if you um, go up and use the electronic application and you've gotten your documentation in order ahead of time, you should be through that application in about 60 to 90 minutes. 60 to 90 minutes is standing between you and $175,000. And I imagine at some point during the process, the foundation has to be assessed by a professional and confirmed that there it actually is, is good point. puritite? Uh, it, it, it's a good point. Uh, it needs to be uh, visually examined by a licensed engineer here in Connecticut or by one of the 47 CIFSIC certified home inspectors. So you have, you can take your choice. You can hire um, a licensed engineer or you, for purposes of our claim, or you can hire one of our 47 certified home inspectors who have taken the coursework. Um, and by the way, eight licensed engineers took our CIFSIC certification course. That's the quality of the work uh, that uh, that course provides. So there are many ways for you to get very rapidly evaluated these days and at reasonable cost. I gather you're a numbers person considering the, the business you are in. What are some numbers you think would resonate with our listeners in terms of where this problem's epicenter is, things like that? Mm. Um, I'll, I'll give you a better example because I'm also a map person. So let's pretend you and I are on uh, uh, 84 and we are on 84 and we hit just about exit 64. Well, that's where the crisis begins. And between exit 64, give or take, as we drive uh, north on 84, by the time we get to 73, which is Union, the Connecticut crisis is over. It is very, very tightly uh, controlled within a geographic area. Have we picked up some claimants in New Haven and one in Torrance? Yes, but those claims have proven not to be valid. So to be clear, there are 40 towns in the northeast corner. We know where they are. We know what streets in what towns. So it's very tightly controlled. Of course, what we now unfortunately know is our friends and neighbors in Massachusetts have a significant problem because of their proximity to us. Are the folks in Massachusetts as far along as the people in Connecticut are in terms of grappling with this? No. I've met with uh, some folks in Massachusetts on a couple of occasions. They're, they're where we were here about a year and a half ago, and they'll, they'll play catch-up. And the good news is they have us as an example about how to structure a program, uh, how to control the flow of funds, particularly if they're state funds. So, you know, we've, we've got a good example here. As I mentioned to Governor uh, Lamont uh, when we met recently, you know, I said, Governor, you and Governor Baker have the possibility of an interesting 
sort of cross-border uh, collaboration on this because we've got data and we've got knowledge, and you need both of those in order to get started in Massachusetts. They're very good people up there. I've met with them. They're, they have a tremendous crisis. It's somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 homes, uh, the early average is. And uh, th- that means it's essentially a $350 million problem at a minimum. And what you're running is a, a captive insurance company. Hmm. In the insurance world, how common is such an entity? A captive? Yes. Captives are actually the oldest form of insurance company. Lloyd's of London, which I know you have heard of, formed in 1688. Go figure that. was originally formed as a captive insurance company. The oldest American captive was formed in Rhode Island in 1836. So actually captives, this strange beast called a captive insurance company, is actually an older form of insurance than the commercial insurance market is. Strange. Been around a long time. And in layman's terms... What does it do? What a captive does is it, generally speaking, doesn't provide insurance to the public. It provides insurance either to its parent organization, uh, which is which means it's what we call a single-parent captive. There's an organization with risk and forms its own insurance company to insure that risk. And in this case, a captive uh, can be formed to insure or provide claim coverage to a discrete, to an identified body of people, as we've done in the northeast corner of Connecticut. What SIFSIC will never be is a commercial insurance company. It will never collect premium, Aaron. It'll never issue an insurance policy, okay? But it will pay claims, and that's some of the remarkable difference. I know there has been a lot of talk and speculation about how long you will be sticking around to be superintendent of the captive. Would you like to address that? Well, only if you're offering me a job on WTIC, but that's another story. With your voice, you could well, do that. Well, thank you. That's very kind. I, I want to go back to our sports analysis discussion at some point. But what's really important is that I've um, indicated to my board that at some point they will need some new blood. Uh, we have uh, conducted a number of interviews uh, with key industry leaders uh, in the captive industry. This is a difficult assignment, and I'm not saying that because I've done it. I'm saying it because most captive insurance company executives lie very low, below the radar. This is a public um, person and a public face. And I'm not an elected official, but I take as much heat as an elected official does. And not a lot of folks want to do that. I've indicated to my board that I will be be staying in place uh, through uh, April of 21 at this point because we're having difficulty finding a new superintendent. And we want to make sure that we can keep the flow of funds going for as long as possible. But to be clear, I want to be replaceable. <laughs> what sort of heat have you been taking? Well, uh, without going into a lot of detail, it's everything from personal threats to, um, let's see, we get emails fairly frequently that indicate that I'm Satan, which is a new name for me. I've had a lot of names over the years, but Satan is, is, is not one I'm familiar with. We get... Um, criticized continually for the operations of the captive. And here's what's more important than me personally. We have a staff of more than a dozen people that support homeowners every day of the week, people working behind the scenes. Um, and obviously they're very sensitive and, and uh, to, to um, criticism the way all of us would be. Uh, what we notice is an absence on social media of celebrating any success we have. We've put a hundred families back into their homes I'm still waiting for the congratulations. And this is a personal thing for you. You it is. You live in Eastern Connecticut. I do. I live in the affected area. I'm in the epicenter. I do not have a crumbling foundation, thank God. But I have 100 crumbling foundations I live with every day, and that number's 
growing, and we have 1,431 claimants. My best advice to those on social media who follow this issue and talk about this issue is to remember something. The world is watching. One of the reasons why we can't find a replacement for my job is because people go up on social media and they call me and say I'm withdrawing my uh, CV. I, I don't want to be under consideration. I ask them why. And they say, you don't have any public support. I'll offer that for whatever it's worth. And we're going to have to leave it there. He is Michael McLaris, superintendent of the Connecticut Foundation Solutions Indemnity Company. Thank you so much Good for joining us. Good to be with us. you again. Thanks for bringing me on. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 